Welcome everyone to episode 332 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm your host, the Glorious League Freak. And today there is a lot to talk about. There is heaps of NRL news I want to get through because I promised some listeners that I'll get to some NRL news. And then when I've done that, I'm going to talk about all of the big decisions that were made today in regards to the World Cup. So if you're waiting to hear about the World Cup, it's going to be later on in this podcast. I apologize. I made some promises that I was going to talk about some NRL news. So the first big thing that has come out today, there's a report in the Daily Mail that New South Wales State of Origin player Appy Corusau allegedly broke the quarantine protocols twice while he was in New South Wales camp. And this news is just coming out today. The NRL Integrity Unit is looking into this. He's obviously the second state of origin player who has broken protocol, the first being Jai Arrow. You can listen to the podcast a couple of weeks ago now about what I had to say about Jai Arrow. Um, This is really bad. This is really bad for the game. It happened last month. So thankfully, he hasn't tested positive for COVID. He's had no symptoms or anything like that. But if it was me running the NRL, I would fine him $50,000, which is more than Jai Arrow was fined because he broke protocol twice. And I would suspend him for six weeks because, you know, you can't have this happening. I can't believe that this happened twice. Now, it says in the article that as soon as he saw what happened to Jai Arrow, he freaked out and stopped doing this and that he managed to keep it from all of his teammates and team management. And when he broke things off, the young lady that was involved in this, she basically told his wife and the NRL what had been going on. And I just can't believe that somebody would risk everything that the NRL is trying to do and the state of origin bubble and their place in the origin side and their place in the NRL itself to do this. I just can't believe it. I couldn't believe it with Joe Arrow. I can't believe it with this. It is insane. So we'll see what the integrity unit comes up with when it does its investigation. It's all just come out today. Uh, I will link the Daily Mail article in this podcast's description so you can go and read it all. Uh, there's text messages there. There's, you know, I think that there's Instagram messages or Facebook messages. There's something like that. It's just a horrible situation. It really is. And, you know, once again, NRL plays kind of blow your mind sometimes, don't they? But, uh, you know, you think you're getting used to it, but you never get used to it. Now, in a little bit of play movement news, Tavita Pangai Jr. has moved to the Penrith Panthers with immediate effect from the Brisbane Broncos. The Broncos are apparently paying half of his salary to have him play for the Panthers, which is kind of crazy. But starting from next season, he will play for the Canterbury Bulldogs. This has been a move that has caused a lot of people to not be happy about the current transfer system that we have in the NRL. And they've seen it as a way that top teams can scavenge talent 
from lower clubs just as they head into the finals. Now, normally there's a deadline of June 30, which is put in place, and you've got to be at a club before June 30 before you can take part in the finals. That obviously was moved forward a little bit because of the schedule being messed up, messed up because of COVID and things like that. Uh, it's got to be remembered that the Broncos didn't want Tavita Pangai Jr. at the club anymore. It's not like the Panthers targeted him. He become available. And I can see why the Panthers would take a shot at him. You know, he's a very talented player, but his motivation isn't great. Um, I worry about his defense. And I also see it as like a no-lose situation for the Panthers. If he comes into the side, and I see him as a bench player, first of all, let me say that. I think he'd be pretty good off the bench. I wouldn't have him in the starting side. But if he comes into the side, they can get his fitness up, and he's motivated by the fact that he's in one of the top teams in the NRL. They could see him bring it all together and make the most out of his talent, which is undoubtedly a very talented player. I think I would see him as a mobile front rower for the rest of this year. Um, I don't think I'd play him too much in the back row. And if he doesn't work out, they just don't use him. Like, they keep using the players that they've got. I can't see any reason why Penrith wouldn't make that deal. And, you know, if I'm Tavita Pangai Jr., he needs to do a little bit of rehabilitation to his football and it's a good place to go, the Panthers. I mean, we talked about it on the podcast a few weeks ago. If he went to Penrith or Melbourne, it would be great for him. And it turns out he went to Penrith. So that's a good move by the Panthers, a good move by him. Uh, and I think it's a good move for the Bulldogs too, to see him go to the Panthers. Hopefully something that he gets out of his time at the Panthers stays with him when he goes to the Bulldogs next year. Now, Another player that the Bulldogs are looking at getting is Paul Vaughan, who was sacked by the Dragons a few weeks ago for having a barbecue at his house with his teammates. They're going to get Paul Vaughan on a pretty good deal. He's not going to be on anywhere near as much as he was when he was with the Dragons. And if you look at them getting Paul Vaughan and Tevita Pangai Jr., they start to look like they're putting together a half-decent team. And a team that really should push for the lower uh, top eight, lower half of the top eight next year. So they're starting to buy some pretty good talent and get enough of it where I think it's worth starting to pay attention to it. Um, Paul Vaughan is one of those players who he had a very, very good probably 18 months. He wasn't very good this year though. And I think that you'll find that that is a big reason why the Dragons let him go. Uh, but yeah, if the Bulldogs can get the best out of both those players, they will both be really good buys. They will add a lot to their forward pack. And then it's really up to Trent Barrett to prove that he's a half-decent coach. You know, there's been a few changes there at the Bulldogs. We've seen that um, Phil Gould has now stepped in. I don't know what he's supposed to be doing there at the Bulldogs, but he's going to do something. Hopefully he tries to get them to have some sort of junior development system instead of having to buy all of their talent from other clubs. But we'll wait and see on that. We won't really know if he's done any of that for years and years and years, to be honest with you. But at least the Bulldogs are trying something. You know, at least they're going out there, swinging for the fences. 
Uh, they've finally got a little bit of money that they can spend. They've been really, they've had their hands tied because of all of the salary cap issues and really poor uh, contracts that they were carrying for a long time. They've finally got a bit of money to spend and they're starting to spend it. And I don't mind the players that they're spending it on at the moment. In case you missed the news, Queensland has been awarded the 2032 Olympic Games, becoming the third city in Australia to say that they've hosted the Olympic Games. I think it was 56 in Melbourne, and obviously 2000 in Sydney. Now it's Brisbane's turn. And there's moves afoot to get some some sort of version of rugby league into the Olympic Games. There's been a lot of work over the last number of years to get as many different rugby league associations from around the world recognised by their governments. You've got to hit certain numbers in terms of how many uh, members you have as a sport, international members you have, before you can be even thought of as an official sport that might get a chance at the Olympics, they're looking at trying to have the Rugby League Nines at the Olympics or wheelchair rugby league at the Olympics, either one. Uh, It would be very cool to see both of them at the Olympics in Brisbane. Um, It was funny, I was looking at some of the suggestions for who should light the cauldron in Brisbane. It's got to be Wally Lewis, doesn't it? The greatest Queensland sportsman of all time. It has to be him. I can't think of anyone else that would be better suited. And man, I mean, that would be amazing. That would be truly, truly amazing. And, you know, Wally Lewis would be pretty old by then, but it would be very well deserved. I always thought that Donald Bradman should have lit the cauldron in Sydney. You know, Donald Bradman was still alive in 2000, and I know that cricket's not an Olympic sport. I really do, but Donald Bradman. It's Donald Bradman. Come on. But the chances of getting Rugby League Nines in the Olympics, that's pretty cool. Um, I love Rugby League Nines. I went to the Nines World Cup when it was in Sydney. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, You know, it would be fantastic. And it would be a really cool stepping stone to sort of get rugby league. You know, can you imagine being able to win a rugby league gold medal? That would be very cool. That'd be a reason to have international competition, wouldn't it? The Canberra Raiders have moved back into the top eight with a really gritty uh, 12 points to 10 win over the Parramatta Eels up there on the Gold Coast. Of course, everyone's up in that Queensland bubble, so... It's uh, you know, it's an away game for both teams. The Eels were mi- missing Mitchell Moses, who has broken bones in his back that he received during State of Origin three. Uh, he played on with the injury, which is really gutsy, and it really shows, I guess, why he wasn't that involved in the game. Apparently, it happened pretty early on in the first half, and he gutted it out. And he'll be fine. You know, it's nothing to do with his spinal cord or anything. It's apparently very much a pain management thing. And he will be out for a number of weeks. I think I heard six weeks a few days ago. So he'll be back for the finals. But I tell you what, the Eels looked really rudderless without him. He's not that much of a, you know, a playmaker. He's more one of those halves that sort of plays what's in front of him. A very good ball runner but they just looked listless without him against the Raiders, and the Raiders forward pack really put it to the Eels throughout the entire match, 
and you're waiting for the intensity to fall off for Canberra. And it did a little bit in the second half. But when it was when the game was really on in the last 15 minutes, the Raiders stood back up and held their ground. And it looked like Parramatta might have got a try right on the death to win the match. And it was a little bit controversial because, you know, there was they showed the replay and it looked like there might have been a shoulder charge to send uh, Mike Acevo out over the sideline as he was going for a try, basically with 10 seconds left in the game. I think that was all that was left. And they said that it was fine. There wasn't any head contact with Sevo. And the thing that was weird was the way that Jordan Rapana had come across because he didn't wrap his arms around Sevo. He kind of hit his thigh into Sevo. And that was really one of the reasons why Sevo went over the sideline. He got smashed. He got absolutely hammered. He didn't lash out with his feet. He just sort of hit him with his thigh and his hip. And they said that was fine. I had no problems with it. I just think you try and stop a guy scoring that position. And as long as you don't do anything illegal, get your body there any way you can. There wasn't a shoulder charge. He didn't lash out with his feet. There was zero head contact on Sevo at all. And they managed to get the big fella over the sideline. It was a really good effort because we all know Sevo is a, I mean, he looks like a superhero when he's out in the football field. I love him. I love Mike Acevo because it's like seeing a Fijian superhero out there in a rugby league field. It's great. But uh, yeah, really good win by the Raiders. It gets them back up into eighth place on the ladder as I'm recording this. Obviously, if there's other, uh, other games might have an effect on that. But when you consider where the Raiders were just about a month and a half ago, it's a really good, really good charge back to be in the top eight again. I don't think they're any chance of winning the Premiership. Um, but they've done a pretty good job of getting back into at least a finals position. And, you know, it, it feels like it's a two-horse race this year. And everything I've seen so far, at the very most, I think it might be a three-horse race if the uh, South Sydney Rabbitohs pull it all together for some reason. But, you know... It's better off being in the finals than not being in the finals. That's for sure. And Ricky Stewart will take a lot of pressure off him because I think if he didn't make the finals this year, especially if the they had been well, well down the ladder, I think there would have been a lot of questions about Ricky Stewart's coaching. And unfairly, I think that the club itself needs to look at its recruitment policy. But yeah, the Raiders back in the finals race, pretty good effort by the club. Dale Finucane is in hot demand by a number of clubs. One of those clubs is the North Queensland Cowboys, who have been really open about their chase for him and trying to partner him with Jason Tomalolo. It's interesting with Finucane in terms of the way that people are talking about him, like he's the sort of player that can really change a club's fortunes. A lot of it's been driven from Melbourne, who, you know, they're praising him. They're, they're giving him all the praise in the world. There's a number of teams that are looking at him. Um, he'd be a good signing for anyone. I think, though, that he's not really one of those players that's going to change, say, an OK team into a premiership winner. 
I just think he's a solid football player. Um, a fringe origin player is what I would describe him as. You know, he's an honest footy player, and he, apparently he's a really good clubman off the field. So that would be good for a struggling club like the Cowboys. Um, and I tell you what, as a Jason Tamalolo's biggest fan, it would be really cool to see him get just some sort of help in that Cowboys forward pack. He's really played a lone hand for the last two seasons, and it would be fantastic to see him alongside another quality forward who can get some good go forward and really set an example for the rest of the players in that team. I think there's too many players in that Cowboys forward pack that just don't put the effort in and are a little bit lazy. So anything they could do to turn that around would be a good thing for the club. The New South Wales Rugby League has announced that it will continue its suspension of junior competitions across Greater Sydney and the surrounding areas. Um, we haven't had the New South Wales Cup and the Lowell grades being played in Sydney for a number of weeks now. And that's important because there's a lot of players in those competitions that would have been involved in the Rugby League World Cup at the end of this year. And we'll get to that in a minute. You know, not having all of these players being able to get football under their belt, it's not a good thing. They're all losing conditioning. Um, and you've got to remember at this level, these are people that they're part-time footballers, most of them. And they would be keeping their fitness up mostly through playing the game. Now they're not able to play the game. But at the same time, there'll be a lot of them that won't be able to work because of the lockdowns in Sydney and all of the restrictions we have in place. So just keep that in mind when you're thinking of players and, and what they're sacrificing to the game and what they're having to go through. Because in a weird way, the players that are at that New South Wales Cup and Ron Massey Cup level, they're kind of in a bit of a double blow in that they aren't able to play the game at all. They've kind of got to be ready to play the game if called upon and, and when these competitions are ready to go again. But they're probably also doing it tough in terms of, you know, what everyone else is going through. Not being able to do certain jobs and not being able to leave your, you know, your house in a lot of circumstances. There's all sorts of weird restrictions across Sydney and it's different depending on where you live. Um, it's such a strange time to be alive and, and to go through all of this. Now, let's get to the big one. Today, the Australian Rugby League and the New Zealand Rugby League released a joint statement and have said they will not be participating in the 2021 Rugby League World Cup that is meant to be played at the end of this year. Now, I'm going to read out the statement that they put out. It was a joint statement, um, so I thought I would read it out. It says, The Australian Rugby League Commission and the New Zealand Rugby League today informed the International Rugby League and the Rugby League World Cup organisers that Australia and New Zealand will not compete in the 2021 World Cup because of player welfare and safety concerns. The ARLC and NZRL has again requested the Rugby League World Cup 2021 be postponed until 2022 to minimise risk of players contracting COVID-19 and ensure the best outcome for player well-being. The decision to withdraw from the 2021 World Cup 
comes after considering the risk of COVID-19 infections in the United Kingdom, the worsening environment in Australia, and the time a majority of NRL Telstra Premiership players will spend away from home under strict biosecurity conditions prior to the World Cup. The ARLC and NZRL have resolved that in present, in the present environment, the risk to athletes and officials travelling to the UK to participate in the tournament this year are too great, and it is unable to endorse Australia and New Zealand participating in the Rugby League World Cup in 2021. Uh, then there's a, a quote from Peter Volandis, who's the chairman of the Australian Rugby League Commission. Don't really care what he has to say. Uh, then the New Zealand Rugby League CEO uh, said that a decision to withdraw was in the best interest of players and officials. And this is these are quotes from him now. Quote, The safety and well-being of our people is the main priority, and unfortunately, that cannot be guaranteed to our satisfaction, he said. There are stark differences between how the pandemic is being managed in the UK compared to Australasia, and recent developments have highlighted how quickly things can change. The tournament organisers have moved heaven and earth to make this work, so it is not an easy decision, but the COVID-19 situation in the UK shows no sign of improving, and it is simply too unsafe to send teams and staff over. We understand how disappointed this is for fans and those involved. However, player and staff safety remains paramount. End quote. Now, that's a word I've been using for the last 48 hours, that the player welfare has to be paramount. And it seems as though the Australian Rugby League and the New Zealand Rugby League agree with me. Now, as you can imagine, the backlash from the UK has been pretty fierce and strangely very emotional and personal. Uh, I will read what was said by the International Rugby League Chairman. So his statement reads, and this is by uh, the International Rugby League Chair, Troy Grant, and it's on the International Rugby League's official website. Quote, Late this afternoon, I received a call from the Australian Rugby League Commission Chairman, Peter Volandis, AM, who cares, involving me, uh, informing me that the Commission had met and voted not to sign the participation agreements for the Rugby League World Cup 2021 and would not be supplying Australian players for the three competitions. I appreciate Peter calling me to explain the rationale behind the ARLC's decision and whilst I can appreciate the ARLC's intent to ensure player safety and welfare, I find it difficult to find the words that adequately describe my disappointment with that situation. Funnily enough, he has paragraphs worth of words that follow. Every sporting organisation, every, every industry, government and family globally have been impacted by this pandemic. Rugby League World Cup 2021 and International Rugby League only recently stated that we fully appreciated the challenges facing us to run a successful Rugby League World Cup with players and official safety our priority, and we have met every request request regarding this issue made to us by the ARLC, New Zealand Rugby League, and Rugby League Players Association. 
all designed to mitigate potential risks and satisfy the demands of the ARLC and NZRL. I have been in regular communication with the Rugby League Players Association and a number of international players and coaches who have been satisfied with the World Cup's biosecurity arrangements and expressed a clear determination to travel to England and proudly proudly represent their nations. They have expressed to me that they feel their own personal choice to participate or not in the World Cup has been taken from them. The Rugby League Players Association have again committed to continue to work with the International Rugby League and the local organising committee towards a 2021 tournament, including Australia and New Zealand players who have dual eligibility and who are now keen to play for other nations. So they're talking about players like, say, you've got someone like Jerome Luai, who was born and raised in Australia but could play for Samoa and was probably always going to play for Samoa just by personal choice. He's saying basically that the Rugby League Players Association is looking to make sure those players have that avenue to go down. Back to the statement, quote, The withdrawal of the Australian teams has also seen the New Zealand team's withdrawal. This may significantly compromise the tournament. I've spoken to Rugby League World Cup 2021 Chief Executive John Dutton regarding the news and the obvious impact these decisions have on the tournament, and we will be reconvening to consider our options and next steps once the Rugby League World Cup board and UK government have had time to consider and absorb the news themselves. My job from here is to understand the LOC, and that's the uh, local organising committee, and UK government's attitude towards continuing with the Rugby League World Cup without Australia and New Zealand, if that is a viable option, or consider other options available to us. The next week will be critical, but despite whatever happens, my job as International Rugby League Chair is to pick up the pieces of International Rugby League's tarnished reputation as a result of these decisions when quite clearly other sports have demonstrated their ability to run events during the pandemic both in England and in other countries with equal challenges from the pandemic, including Australian and New Zealand representation. The obvious question being asked of us is why rugby league players are not able to make the same sacrifices as players from other sports. Sadly, players are telling me they haven't had the opportunity to make the decision for themselves, end quote. Now, I found the last paragraph to be a little bit ignorant because, as I said a couple of episodes ago when I talked about should the Rugby League World Cup be cancelled, you know, players have been making sacrifices to keep competitions going in all sorts of Rugby League competitions around the world. And as we know in the NRL, Last year, we had the New Zealand Warriors had to come over to Australia and basically move here for the almost the entirety of the NRL season, not able to go back home to see their family and loved ones. They've had to do that again, uh, but this time they come here much earlier, have stayed here the entire time since about February, and they were based in Gosford, and now they've had to move up to Queensland and these poor buggers, I mean, 
if they don't make the finals, they will get to go home in September. That's the best case scenario. And by the way, when they go back to New Zealand, they're going to have to do a two-week quarantine in New Zealand before actually being able to go to their homes or see any of their family and loved ones. To say that these players have not been willing to sacrifice for the sport and for the good of the sport, I think is a little bit gross because they clearly have. And we've seen that from the Storm as well. They've had less to deal with than the Warriors have, but they've sacrificed. They've had to move between Melbourne and Queensland a couple of times now. And now we've seen all New South Wales-based teams and Canberra as well having to move up to Queensland and do the same thing. So players have sacrificed, and I think that's what's going missing in all of this. You know, I saw a lot of people saying to me today, once the decision was made, that, well, why can't NRL players just, you know, go into quarantine and be in quarantine for the World Cup? And the thing is, they've been in quarantine for the entire season. And if they go over for the World Cup, they're going to have to stay in this player bubble and fly over to the UK where the COVID conditions are much, much worse. And really, who wants to go to a country where COVID is running so rampantly? And I don't say that like England is doing something terrible. It's just what's happening. It's just the hand that's been dealt. You know, I I think that to ask players to do that in itself, it's asking a lot. And I understand some players will do it and, and that's fine. But then you've also got the situation of how do we get these players back to Australia? Will they? Well, they'll have to go into a two-week quarantine for Australia and New Zealand. And when you look at the New Zealand Warriors players that would take part in the World Cup, they would have to go back to New Zealand, do a two-week quarantine. They would be in New Zealand for maybe a month, a month and a half at most, and then have to come back to Australia, do another two-week quarantine, and then be based in Australia, possibly for another year. You know, there's only so much you can ask of players, and I know that they're getting paid a lot of money. But they're getting paid a lot of money to play in the NRL. And I can understand if players got to the end of the NRL season and they just want a break. They just want to go home. You know, we all hate the lockdown. We all go crazy during lockdown. These poor players have been in lockdown for months already. So to say they haven't sacrificed for the game, I think that that was short-sighted and he probably shouldn't have said that. Now, I had players, I had people on uh, Twitter messaging me like names of players that said they'd still take part in the World Cup. Uh, One of my followers actually sent me the name of three players, Australian players that said they would still take part. And that's fine, but what you've got to remember is, say you're sending over a 25 to 30-man squad, you've got all of those players that you've got to deal with. But then you've also got their support staff, which is trainers, physios, all that sort of thing. You've got coaches on top of that. Then you've got other officials that normally go over on, on these sort of tournaments. It's a lot of people. It's not just a 17-man football team. And I think some people are forgetting that. 
it's just a rotten situation. You know, I wasn't happy when I heard the announcement come down, down today. It was really sad. Uh, with the World Cup, should it go ahead? I think the smart thing to do would be to postpone it until next year, the end of next year. Now, people have said, well, what about it running into the Soccer World Cup? That's a problem. It, the whole thing's a problem. Like, everything's a problem. We've just got to make the most of a really, really, really bad situation. Um, there's been suggestions that the World Cup could go ahead this year without Australia and New Zealand. I'd be fine with that. I'd have no problems with that. But I think what you will find is that there will be a lot of players that don't play for Australia and New Zealand that play for places like Samoa, Fiji, Tonga, that will also choose not to take part in the World Cup because they've been in the same situation. They've been in a bubble. You know, they, they will just want to go home. I think PNG will have a number of those players like that as well. It's not a good situation. Um, and you can't say that enough. It's just bad timing. You know, it's a global pandemic. It's it's not choices that are just being made randomly. Everyone would love the World Cup to go ahead. But to do it during a global pandemic, especially as all of the numbers everywhere in most countries are spiking, it's just really, really bad timing. Um, if the World Cup goes ahead without Australia and New Zealand, I've got no problems with it. I don't think it will, though. I think what will happen is they will postpone it. Um, I've seen people saying, should they postpone it till, say, February next year? I guess you could do that, but it's still cutting it pretty fine. I, I feel as though the best thing to do is to put the, put the World Cup out there further so that you've got time for, hopefully, all of the pandemic to settle down, for more people to get vaccinated, and hopefully by this time next year, like we're saying, wow, wasn't the pandemic terrible? I'm glad that's all behind us. That's the ideal scenario. I think if you put the World Cup on in February, it would be, I think you'd be setting yourself up for failure. That's the way I would put it. Um, the International Rugby League has been told for a while now that this was a possibility. And I think they forged ahead and they thought Australia and New Zealand were bluffing. It was a bad decision. I think that it was a bad decision to not make, to not get it on the front foot early and say, look, it's clear that two of the major nations have concerns. And maybe what we should do is look at our alternatives as an organization and what we can do to make the World Cup happen in any capacity, that two of the best nations in the world are happy with what we're doing. And I think they've just set themselves up for failure by not listening. I think that's what's happened. Uh, it's sad. It's sad. I was looking forward to the World Cup. I've been looking forward to the World Cup for years. I think ever since Tonga beat Australia in that test match, that famous, famous test match. Straight away, the first thing I thought of was Rugby League World Cup Final. That was the first thing that came to my mind. I wasn't looking forward to seeing New Zealand or England or any of the other countries. I was looking forward to seeing Tonga in the, in the Rugby League World Cup. 
and we, you've seen us talk or you've heard us talk about it on the podcast a number of times since we started the podcast. And it's truly a shame that we're at this situation right now. Um, I don't think we're going to see any international competition by Australia or New Zealand in Australia rather than there being the World Cup. I don't think that they will move the World Cup to, say, New Zealand or Australia very quickly, which, look, I think you could do, but then you're asking the players from Europe to do all this same stuff. It's not fair. Uh, there's been suggestions that you could have a regional competition in Europe, say a, a European Cup, and then you could have a an Australasian or a Pacifica competition uh, down here in the Southern Hemisphere. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that everyone's just going to cut their losses and the World Cup is going to happen next year. Um, there's going to be challenges with that. Obviously, running into the Soccer World Cup, that you know, that's going to take attention away from the Rugby League World Cup in Europe mostly. Uh, in this part of the world, in the Southern Hemisphere, not so much. Um, it's just an all-round bad situation. You know, there's no good part of this. There's no winners out of this. And it's just really unfortunate that the World Cup, which was planned so far back, just happened to run into the pandemic. It's really terrible. I'm very sad about it. And I think that all of the reaction that we've seen out of the UK, I've had lots of followers of mine from the UK that have said, look, it's sad, but it's understandable. A lot of them saying we can't even have Super League games at the moment and the Super League season is a mess. I actually saw Red V, uh, which is a St. Helens Twitter feed and, and a website. They said that maybe if the World Cup was postponed until next year, it would allow the Super League season to be pushed back, the grand final to be pushed back a little bit. And so these fixtures that have been lost due to COVID uh, affecting teams in Super League, that will allow the fixtures to be made up and it would take a little bit of pressure off the Super League clubs. I thought that was a great idea. Um, and that might fill in some of the gap in terms of the content. It's not going to be the same as the World Cup but at least it's something that English fans would be able to get to see and it's going to make the season a little bit longer. But, you know, it's better than... I mean, they're talking about are we going to have to stop the Super League season and just start the playoffs straight away? Like, that's the situation they're at. So, um, all bad. It's all bad. There's no good that comes out of this. It's really unfortunate. But what can you do? Like, we're all just... Everyone in all of our situations, no matter who is listening to this, is having to deal with COVID in one way or another. And we're all just trying to do the best with bad situations at the moment. I hope you're doing well. I hope you and your family are doing well. I have known people that have got COVID. Thankfully, touch wood, all of them so far have been able to get through it. Um, I had one of my friends that lost their sense of taste and smell. I was asking them about it and they were saying it was so weird. Um, so I, I just hope everyone that's listening to this is getting through everything. I hope that your money situations are good. I hope that your work situations are fine. I hope you're staying healthy 
and doing your best to get through this because that's all anyone can do really. And hopefully we're at the other side of this whole pandemic sooner rather than later. Um, so that's it for the podcast tonight. We've got a couple of games to look forward to for Friday in the NRL. We'll see what happens out of the International Rugby League. As soon as anything comes to light, I'll do a podcast about it. Because for me, this is huge news. Like, there's some things that happen in the NRL sometimes, and I think, oh, that's interesting. To me, the World Cup is gigantic news. And that Australia and New Zealand won't be there. Man, that's... uh, I mean, that that is a moment in history in rugby league for me. So that's why I'm all over it. And that's why I've done, you know, I've done three podcasts in the space of 24 hours about it. Anyway, if you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe, tell your friends about it. Uh, go and check out my Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash league freak. Anything you want to donate, it's up to you. It uh, starts at $1. And it goes up to, I think, $25. When you get to the higher tiers, you get uh, free merch if you've been on the higher tiers for three months or more. So check that out. Go to leaguefreak.com. That's my website. That's where I post pretty much everything I do, including this podcast. Go to fergoandthefreak.com. That's where you'll find the official podcast's website. Go to rugbyleaguepodcastingnetwork.com. We will find all of the best independent rugby league podcasts. And what else we got? NRLbreakingnews.com. That's just a pure news feed. That's a kind of like a one-stop shop. If you're wondering what's going on in the game, you want to have a quick look, you go there. Um, Thank you for listening. There's been some really heavy, weird news. I know I took a little bit of a break. Andrew was supposed to be on tonight's podcast. I don't know what happened to him. Andrew, if you're listening to this, what the fuck, man? He's been very busy. He's been very... He actually was telling me his schedule the other day, and I was so horrified by it. It was uh, it was inhumane what he went through in, the, in a 24-hour period in terms of how much sleep he didn't get and how much work he had to do. It was crazy. So that's why Andrew hasn't been on the podcast for a little bit. Anyway, take care. Listen out for the next episode. Thank you for all of your patience and your support of the podcast and the website. Everything's going off at the moment, and I thank you for that. Uh, So have a good one.